Every March, after cherry blossom season, calla lilies begin to bloom at Yangmingshan's Zhuzhu. This year's annual calla lily festival will open Friday, March 26th. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang takes us to the mountainside for a sneak peek. Every March, calla lilies will begin to bloom in Yangmingshan's Zhuzhu. Zuzuhu is home to 80 to 90 percent of Taiwan's annual calla lily crop. Every season, a large number of tourists come to admire the flowers. I saw online that the flowers are starting to bloom. I thought I would find a time when the weather was nice. In the end, the weather didn't turn out to be so nice, but the flowers are still beautiful. The 2021 Zuzuhu Calla Lily Festival will take place from March 26 to April 25th. There are swings and a house shaped like a pyramid that tourists can snap a photo with. I was here when I was pregnant, and I wanted to come back to experience it again. I think it's beautiful here, and it seems to be better than in previous years. We saw bloggers writing about it on the internet, so we decided to come take a look. These are some of the flowers we picked. Zhuzuhu is a valley between the Datun, Xiaoguanying, and Qixing Mountains. It is located at 670 meters above sea level. Kala lilies bloom here from March to May, and they are followed by hydrangea flowers from May to June. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang Li Qi in Taipei. Taiwanese tennis player Yen Shu Lu is responsible for one of the big upsets of the Miami Masters so far this year, knocking American Sam Querrey out of the first round. Lu, who's ranked 1,020th, defeated the world number 61 in straight sets on Wednesday. This is Lu's first win on the ATP tennis tour since October 2017. In the second round, Lu will play top seed Daniel Medvedev of Russia, who's currently ranked second in the world. Lu says he knows he's up against a challenge, but that he'll do his best and take it one point at a time. Four days into its AstraZeneca vaccine rollout, Taiwan has administered the shot to more than 5,000 people. It's also reported its first case of serious adverse reactions. The health ministry confirmed Thursday that the case involves a nurse who experienced heart palpitations, a skin rash and high blood pressure five minutes after getting the shot on Wednesday. The nurse stabilized after treatment with steroids and antihistamines, and she was discharged from intensive care Thursday morning. On day four of Taiwan's AZ vaccine rollout for frontline staff, news broke of a case of severe allergic reactions. It involves a registered nurse in her 40s who was vaccinated at a hospital up north. The nurse received the AZ vaccine Wednesday morning. Within five minutes, she was experiencing acute side effects, including heart palpitations, a skin rash, and systolic blood pressure that reached 170 millimeters of mercury. The hospital administered emergency treatment of steroids and antihistamines, and the case was transferred to a dedicated intensive care unit. The nurse was discharged from the hospital Thursday morning. The nurse had some allergic reactions. As a precaution, the hospital placed her in intensive care for observation. During that time, her vital signs were very stable. So our preliminary judgment is that this was not, in fact, a serious adverse reaction. The hospital said the nurse's condition was not serious enough to warrant intensive care, but that the hospital wanted to give her the highest standard of care possible. An expert predicts that in this first rollout of 116,500 doses, one or two people out of every 100,000 will experience severe side effects. That would be the normal range, he said. Of course, we could end up being unlucky. 
This first case has shown up very early in the program. Perhaps there won't be any more severe reactions between now and the 100,000th dose. There might be one or two out of a million people who experience these so-called severe allergic reactions. Basically, so long as the proper arrangements and treatments are in place for the administration process, there are no real safety concerns. Looking at the rollout so far, more than 5,000 healthcare workers have gotten a shot, and a total of nine adverse events have been reported. One of those nine was a serious adverse event. The Central Epidemic Command Center says the nurse involved in the case has a history of allergic reactions to foods and medication. Officials say the vaccine program will continue without adjustment. Powerchip Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation, or PSMC, broke ground Thursday on a manufacturing complex in Miaoli's Tonglo Township. PSMC is spending 278 billion NT to build two 12-inch wafer fabs with a combined capacity of 100,000 wafers a month. Thursday's groundbreaking ceremony was a who's who of top officials, including President Tsai Ing-wen and American Institute Taiwan director Brent Christensen. President Tsai, Economics Minister Wang Meihua, and AIT Director Christensen attended the groundbreaking for PSMC's Tonglo Fab on Thursday. In her speech at the ceremony, Tsai said that once the new plant was complete, Taiwan would not have the one sacred mountain of TSMC, but an entire sacred mountain range. The global chip shortage has once again thrust Taiwan into the international spotlight after the world came to know us for our success at containing COVID. This proves that Taiwan is not only a world leader in advanced semiconductor manufacturing, it also has a critical role to play in the global supply chain. Taiwan is going from having a single sacred mountain to a whole sacred mountain range. It's all proof that our chip sector has more and more internationally competitive companies. Taiwan's chip sector has been able to rise up and become this sacred mountain because of what President Tsai has accomplished over the past five, six years. PSMC's factory in Tonglo will turn Taiwan's west coast into the world's strongest and its only semiconductor manufacturing belt. The project is PSMC's first new production site in 15 years. It will comprise two 12-inch wafer production plants. The 278 billion NT project will have a monthly production capacity of about 100,000 wafers. Once the first stage of the project is complete, the complex will start operations with a monthly output of 15,000 units. At the groundbreaking ceremony, officials addressed the issue of Taiwan's water shortage, which threatens to disrupt production. The government will adopt every approach it can to conserve water and adjust its supply. Through a diversity of methods, we will work to ensure the stability of our water supply system. Besides supplying water for everyday use, providing water resources to keep our industries running is absolutely a key objective for us. The economics chief said she should be able to ensure a stable water supply for the sector so that it can maintain its leading position in the world. Taichung and Miaoli are racing to secure alternative water sources ahead of tighter water restrictions that take effect next month. Starting April 6th, water will be cut off twice a week for most users, and science parks will need to reduce usage even further. At Taichung's Central Taiwan Science Park, manufacturers like TSMC plan to make use of groundwater pumped from neighboring land. Officials say that for now, Shinzu will be spared the same water restrictions as the region is supplied by a new pipe connected to Taoyuan's water supply. 
the truck backs up, a hose goes on, and water starts flowing in. This isn't a water plant, but a construction site near the Central Taiwan Science Park. In an unprecedented move, the construction firm is offering groundwater on the site to tech companies in need. We hope to stay within the widest bounds of the restrictions to reduce our use of reservoir water by making effective use of water resources. With TSMC's Taichung plant looking for water, many neighboring developers have reached out with offers of free groundwater that can be recycled. By current estimates, 20,000 tons of groundwater can be supplied by neighboring sites every day. Meanwhile, Shinju Science Park is thirsty, too. Early in the morning, the water truck drives up to the water purification plant in Taoyuan's Pingzhen. Water is piped into the tank, and then it's off to Shinju, where the shortage gets worse by the day. At the Baoshan and Second Baoshan reservoirs, the sides of the embankment are exposed, parts of it covered with cracked earth. The two dams hold a combined 3.83 million tons of water. It's a worrying figure, but the economics minister says that for now, Shinju's water rationing won't be tightened. The pipeline connecting Taoyuan and Xinzhu can provide more than 20,000 tons of water every day. There are also desalination plants, which can supply 13,000 tons of water every day. That's why this time we did not decide to issue a red alert for Xinzhu. Currently, the Xinshan Reservoir is at 90% capacity. It's at 90% because, of course, it's located in northeast Taiwan, and it's currently the rainy season in the north. So, it can be utilized if we get instructions from above. Located in a windward area, Jilong's Xinshan Reservoir is nearing full capacity. Local authorities say water can be transported to drought-stricken areas farther south. The hope now is that reservoirs will be replenished in May, with the start of plum rains. Starting tomorrow and until next Thursday, or even until next Friday, most areas of Taiwan will see clear to cloudy skies. Taiwan's drought is the worst in Miaoli and Taichung, where a red alert will be issued April 6. In Shinju, Jiayi, Tainan and Kaohsiung, the drought alert is currently at orange, though it could change if plum rains fail to deliver. Government officials marked International Holocaust Remembrance Day on Thursday in an event that was postponed from January due to the pandemic. The ceremony was attended by President Tsai Ing-wen as well as the de facto ambassadors of Israel and Germany. This responsibility starts with confronting and understanding Taiwan's authoritarian past. It demands that we work diligently to protect human rights and it requires that we never compromise our commitment to democracy. Today, across the world, we are facing a resurgence of authoritarianism, populism, and extremism. This worrisome trend highlights the importance of global cooperation to advance human rights and democracy. It is hard to imagine that only 80 years ago, my people, my family members, were helplessly slaughtered. It happened indeed, and it is our shared responsibility as human beings to make sure that such atrocities will never happen again. These are the values we have to stand for, values we should never take for granted. That is the reason why Taiwan, a democracy in this very specific international environment, is a good place to commemorate the Holocaust Memorial Day. 
During the event, officials lit six candles, one by one, to honor the six million Jewish people murdered by the Nazi regime. President Tsai has attended the Remembrance event every year it's been held, with the exception of 2019, when she was represented by then-Vice President Tsen Jinren. The tiniest mountain in Taiwan has finally found fame. Chen Dong Gangsan in Chai's Budai Township is just 11 meters high. Many netizens have, have been inspired to try the 40-second walk after videos showed what a sweet trip it is for all the family. Full of zest, these adults cheer on the kids. We're going to climb a mountain. But capturing the walk on camera looks pretty easy. And in no time, they've reached the top. That's right, they got to the summit in less than a minute. That's hardly a mountain, I hear you say. Well, this is Taiwan's tiniest mountain, Chen Donggang Shan, in Jiayi's Budai Township. People won't believe you if you say you climbed a mountain in three minutes. It used to be recorded as 39.9 feet high. In the Japanese era, they measured it in Taiwanese feet. Now I think it's 9.9 meters. <laughs> the official height above sea level is 11 meters. But don't look down on this little peak. It's a triangulation station or trig point, a claim not all mountains can make. It's also an astronomical observation point and satellite control point. On a fine day, you can see all the way to Budai Harbour, Dongshe, Fisherman's Wharf and the Jiayi Tainan Plain. You can look out over various spots around the villages of Budai Township. I think it's worth it. Restrictions on travel have us all looking at Taiwan with a fresh eye. How many beauty spots in your backyard have you overlooked? This starter mountain is about to get a lot more love from locals. Zhanghua County has cut short a leaf collecting project after a deluge of interest overwhelmed expectations. Zhanghua asked the public to find and hand in lychee leaves with stink bug eggs. But with high financial incentives to collect the leaves, officials were shocked to receive more than 400,000 in just over a month. Mm. Fenyan Township office is all stations go as officials count the stink bug eggs on these lychee leaves. These are the fruits of farmers' war against the pest. They're laid out on numbered grids for counting. Each sheet contains 100 grids, and each grid is worth 5 NT. Fill up 100 grids with leaves full of stink bug eggs, and you'll earn 500 NT. This year, Zhanghua County set aside 660,000 NT to buy stink bug eggs collected by the public. The deadline was initially May 25th, but after an enormous response, the call-out has been cut short before the two-month mark. There are already 439,000 leaves to be counted, triple last year's haul. We decided to stop it on March 22nd, and we posted that online. So everyone who could get any hurried to do so. One leaf is 5 NT, so it's the easiest money in the world. The abrupt end to the project led people to rush to hand in all the leaves they could get their hands on. One Mrs. Zhang is an expert picker. She found 40,000 leaves in one month, earning her the top remuneration of any leaf collector, 200,000 NT. Of all the residents of Fenyuan, she collected over 41,500 leaves, which earned her about 200,000 NT. 
In second place was a resident of Tianzhong Township who collected 33,000 leaves and earned 150,000 NT. On the last day of the call-out, Jianghua accepted 170,000 leaves, making a new daily record. The pandemic has hit manual labor, and many who rely on factory shifts are looking for extra work. Maybe leave collecting could be a new avenue for a side income. Kaohsiung's Mainong district is famed for its hacker heritage. One of the best-known features of this unique culture is its flat rice noodles. One husband and wife team is serving up a fresh take on this traditional dish. Through lots of trial and error, they've developed a range of artisanal noodles that pop with flavor and color. These colorful, eye-catching flat rice noodles are the product of laborious research and development. The Zhongs, a husband and wife, produced these artisanal noodles by hand, dyeing them with natural pigments from fruit and vegetables. During the development process, they experimented with all sorts of ingredients, including sweet potato leaves, dragon fruit and beetroot. Initially, we were adding more of them, because we wanted that deep color, but we discovered that if you add too much of these fruits and vegetables, their contents prevent the rice slurry from setting. So we experimented with each fruit, adding it in little by little. It all began when Mrs. Zhong added some of her garden surplus produce to rice slurry. After some trial and error, colorful noodles were born, affording new business opportunities. I had been eating flat rice noodles for 20 years, but I realized I didn't actually know how to make them. I didn't even know what rice is used to make them, let alone how to make them. So I thought, let me devote some time to this. I thought, how about I do some research and see how I can bring in our homegrown produce, like sweet potato leaves. At the time, we also had cherry tomatoes. While the Zhongs are putting a fresh twist on an old favorite, other vendors are staying true to tradition. This is Lin Xinda, a fourth-generation noodle maker. Lin says it took him a great deal of effort to achieve a noodle texture comparable to his predecessors. In the beginning, I didn't quite have a grip on variables like temperature, thickness, thinness. It was failure after failure after failure. Then finally, I found that sweet spot, and they started coming out better and better. I had to strike that perfect balance. The fourth-generation noodle maker is serving up bowl after bowl of flat rice noodles, keeping Mainong's tasty tradition alive and well.